0: That's made me believe in myself and that we, you, are the only trustworthy thing that you'll ever have in your whole life. And that is such a powerful knowing. And to know that we have all the answers we ever need and the ability to heal and the ability to transform inside us is not anywhere else.
1: It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold, Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse Creativity Coach, a certified Reiki Energy Healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be bold Begin. welcome back. This is Barcy, your host. And if you haven't noticed, I've spent the last couple of years exploring the power of wisdom and our inner power and how we have access to all of that within ourselves as human beings with my guests on this show. And they have transformed my own understanding of what we're capable of and have challenged my own beliefs of what is truly possible and accessible by hearing and holding space for their stories. And they've changed my life and I'm so grateful for them. So some of these transformational stories belong to Christian de la Huerta, Cara Batar, Amy Devotney, Joseph Corella, Judy Rodman, Cheryl Foster, Vince Kramer, David Strickle, Claire Briglio, Jade Whaley, Dr. Trobeyer, Lindsay Ryling and Joanne Richards, just to name a few, I will put links to those episodes if you want to hear their stories. And today I have a guest with me who will add to this wealth of inspiration with her expertise and story. Jesse Rose is a relationship and identity breakthrough coach and has a background in core process psychotherapy and is trained and qualified as a master coach in the personal development field. Transforming trauma, suffering, and limitation into personal freedom and success in relationships, health, performance, and purpose led service based careers, whilst being true to oneself and truly aligned to one's purpose and vision. And in 2005, Jessie had a near death experience that also hospitalized her for months. Her care consultant told her that she just had 24 hours to live and offered her no real hope of recovery. So Jessie had no choice but to come home to herself. She managed to internalize her strength and was able to make a miraculous and unexplainable recovery. Her experiences taught her that the human spirit and the human body are capable of far more than we think possible and to never give up. So welcome, Jess. Hi, Barthi. Nice to meet you. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to hear more about your story and everything that you have to share about how you work with others.
0: Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Where do you want to start?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like we have to start with your story, especially having a near-death experience, but can you tell us a little bit about what life was like before that and how that led you to that point?
0: Yeah, I think, gosh, so much. And have to try and remember we only have an hour to try and condense (laughs) it down. So life was very different before. And I suppose I'd say I wasn't living my own life Mm. and was kind of swept up in the requirements of so many people. And I guess I was a people pleaser to a certain degree which we're hearing a lot about at the moment and well will have done for a long time, but it's a big thing and it's a big deal and it has a huge impact on our lives and our health. So there was so many things going on. There were some hereditary health patterns that were happening. There were some hereditary patterns in relationship senses that were happening and playing out in my life that had been in my mother's life and my grandmother's life. And, mm. It all happening at once, and I get to try and condense the story. Really, there was a point in my life where there was an option to have children, but due to the existing health problems at the time, I was advised by an alternative health practitioner not to have children because of some health things that had happened in the past that I wasn't over yet. And um, mm. in a nutshell, I was in a situation with a partner where. I was forced to go with their ideas and to not listen to this practitioner who was actually qualified as a pathologist and knew a lot about what was happening in my body at the time. And I was told due to my health issues, I probably wouldn't fall pregnant very quickly. It might take years, but the first go, it happened. And then the trouble started and the alternative health practitioner actually said, not to have a child because it might cost me my life because of my health situation at the time. And unfortunately, there was something wrong with the baby. Her heart was too big, a gene defect. And then the trouble started. And I realized a lot when I was in hospital that, again, I had been swept up in somebody else's requirements and I didn't listen to myself. I didn't listen to my own guidance. I didn't listen to what was right for me because I was fearful of perhaps rejection and wanted to please other people. And I wanted to have children anyway. And while I was in the hospital, I was told I could barely walk into the hospital and they were surprised I was walking due to what was happening inside after a scan. And the baby had actually died a month before And my body had started attacking itself and Mm. sorry to be graphic, but to disintegrating my organs. And I was having organ failure and I was told I had 24 hours to live. And there was something in that moment that made me, we all have this deep, deep survival mechanism within ourselves, I believe. And it's not that we ever want to go, it's that we always want a feeling to go, a bad feeling to go. Lots of these bad feelings were arising and I was just faced with, no, I'm not going to. And it was just an instinctive process I went through and I thought, no, my whole life has been, this is what's happening to you and this is what you're going to do. And I thought, no, (laughs) it was just instinctual. Although on paper, there was absolutely no way I was going to survive. But during that process, I realized how much of my life had already been like that. But also I realized how much of our lives prep us for things that happen to us, events, you know, substantial events that happen to us, and how we can use them to our benefit, you know, and to help us through difficult times. And during that process, my lungs were filling with liquid slowly because my organs were failing. But then something that happened in the past when I was a three-month-old baby I had a trauma, which meant I couldn't breathe properly, which lasted for four years. So I had to learn how to breathe myself at that age to try and help myself. So all I could do was breathe in and not breathe out. But I had to calm myself down to come out of that trauma response. And that was useful to me in hospital. So each moment was about getting through the next step which meant for me surrendering to the fact that I was going to die. Absolutely. I had surrendered to that, which gave me a sense of peace and a sense of calm. But also it enabled me to pull on my own resources to get through the next minute and the next minute and the next minute or even the next second Mm -hmm. to help me through, you know, what was happening to my body. And my surgeon at the time, he said, I'm not going to operate on you because you will die. And I said, well, let's do it and I'll die trying. Mm. so we went down straight away, (laughs) and I survived, but loads of things happened, so I didn't have any pain relief, they'd forgotten to give me that, they didn't put me to sleep enough, so I was awake during the operation, I mean, Mm. it couldn't been more horrific, (laughs) and so even after intensive care, and after being awake after that for an hour, I still had no pain relief, oh my goodness, they put a block in, you know, a line in your spine, with really strong opiate drugs to try and kill it, but they put it too high. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't breathe, I couldn't feel my own breathing. So I survived that, which they told me I wouldn't survive. And all of this was just trying to get through the next minute and the next minute and the next minute. And then I had to be taped up, sitting up with the bed lent forward to bring the block down so that I could get the block down to where the pain was and feel my breathing. But then my body started leaking out and my organs were failing again. And to breathe, when I didn't have room to breathe, was terrifying. But each time I had to surrender and had to find peace and calm in that so I could calm my autonomic nervous system down in order to deepen each breath or prolong each breath to get through to the next breath and the next breath and the next breath. And then my surgeon came up. And he said, he put a load of protein drinks on my bed Mm. and said, You need to drink all of these, otherwise, you won't be walking out of here in three days' time. And I completely believed that. That was absolutely true because my body had leaked out. It was huge and there wasn't much room for me to breathe. So I was short on oxygen. And they couldn't drain the fluid because it would keep coming faster and I would decline faster. So I stayed awake for three nights Mm -hmm. and I sipped and sipped until I was, you know, my body could reabsorb the proteins that were leaking out. And then again, I survived again against all odds. (laughs) So how am I different now? I believe anything is possible. And I believe that we can, to a certain extent, program our bodies and tell our bodies what we want it to happen. But also, I think there are different types of people who have authority and rely on authority to determine their direction in life and to tell them what's going to happen to them. And what the consultants and surgeons said was absolutely true. All I had to do was close my eyes and let go and that would be it. And that did happen. I did have a moment where I had complete organ failure and I did die. And there was a moment where I had a choice to give up fully or to keep going. And I chose to keep going. And I came back through the rattle in my throat. And to everyone's amazement, surprise made it. I truly believe we have to take command of our own life. And we have a lot of wisdom in our bodies that we have access to and don't utilize. And I think there's a lot of human potential inside us. And we underestimate the power of the human spirit. And You know, there are very quick and clever ways of accessing that and changing and transforming our whole life. So anything is possible, and now I help people achieve what they believe is impossible, and that's my life now. (laughs) Wow. In a nutshell.
1: (laughs) That's a unique story, number one, and the moment-to-moment aspect of it, the constant surrender is so poignant, I think throughout what you shared. And I mean, listening, I could picture everything you were sharing and I'm just sort of absorbing it in a mm-hmm. sense. I'm also an empath. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. I absorb everyone's experiences to a degree while you're yeah. sharing, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. In these spaces. But yes, it sounds like you were in a constant trauma from one moment to the next for a long period of time that was just very intense. In my interpretation, it felt like you were faced with a decision to live every breath.
0: Every breath. Yeah. It was heavy.
1: Yes. That's powerful. Wow. What do you think compelled you to keep saying yes, to keep wanting to fight for the next breath and the next breath. I find that quite a moving question, actually.
0: I think because I felt like it was my last chance. And that last chance ignites that need for survival. And I was on my deathbed, if you like. And I thought, no, this way of living and being told how my life is going to be it ends here. Mm. So it was like w- wiping the slate clean and taking it back. And there was just an innate knowing that I can get through the next second if I just did this, or if I just did that. And at the same time, as I was getting closer to passing away, there was more grace, there was more love, there was more expansion, and more surrender, and more bliss, if you like, which comes with that surrender. And I was actually really happy, (laughs) which sounds really bizarre and a bit of a contradiction. But I was okay to go at the same time. That sounds like a real contradiction. I was okay to go and I was fine. And there was no attachment to other people, Mm. you know. But at the same time, I knew I had to get through the next breath, the next second.
1: That's an immense trust in what was happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's made me believe in myself and that we, you, are the only trustworthy thing that you'll ever have in your whole life. And that is such a powerful knowing. And to know that we have all the answers we ever need and the ability to heal and the ability to transform inside us is not anywhere else. It's all inside us. And that moment made me tap into that. And it's sad that we have these huge life events that make us do that. But the beauty of it is, is I've learned it with bells on and I can help people tap into that now without having to go through such an awful
1: event. Yeah, which is so lovely. We're going to shift into that. but I just want to acknowledge the amount of seems like an accelerated version of Mm -hmm. experiencing the surrender, the gratitude, the trust, the letting go in order to fight, in order to show up for yourself in the way that you knew you were capable of in that moment from this Mm -hmm. sort of innate wisdom that was coming up for you Mm -hmm. in your body physically. Just so interesting. I'm talking more and more to people from that somatic healing place and that is... fascinating and we can talk about that too but in addition to our sort of intuitive wisdom which is connected Mm. our body has stored wisdom too and your story about being so young and learning how to breathe or needing to teach yourself that and calling back upon that is such a good example of that link yeah it's fascinating
0: if we look at our lives and events where we found some trouble, and if you really look at it and analyze it, you'll probably find that something in
1: your life earlier has helped you deal with that. Yeah. So there's so many ways we can keep going in, <laughs> yeah. in directions of how to shift into the how, right? Like, I do have a question around because a lot of us, like you said, have experiences that sort of snap us into a new choice. Mm-hmm for lack of a better way of saying that, like a moment that is a cumulative moment. And I always want to ask, you know, do we need that traumatic experience to be able to, you know, tap into these things in a deep way? And and you just shared that you help people not have to do it that way Mm. and you have techniques to help with that. So maybe we start there. How did you, well, I want to know how you do that now, but I'm also very curious about how you started that journey right after? Did you start to educate yourself, like traditionally going and getting degrees and things like that? Or did you already have some of those credentials? What was that like right after? And then we can talk about the tools that you're using now.
0: Well, immediately afterwards, I knew that that that's what I wanted to do. It was an absolute given. And I decided when I was 14 years old, that's what I wanted to do anyway. I wanted to help people heal and get better. And then life took me on loads of different ways and Directions and so that solidified it for me. It's like, right, that's what I'm going to do. And I guess what we're talking about doing that survival was presence. So, you know, all of that was the power of presence and allowing the wisdom of the body to throw things up for you to understand. And in understanding, you're healing those things, which helps the body to heal as well. Because we all know about the mind body connection. So I went and did some training when I was well enough to go and do core process psychotherapy, which is Buddhist psychotherapy, which is all about the body's wisdom and listening to that and creating a space that allows people to be present safely and compassionately so they can listen to those body signals and allow them to come up and understand them the same way. I loved it. But it was quite slow, and I obviously know, but it can happen really, really quickly because of my experience. So I then, you know, learned about coaching, progressive coaching, and found um, a lovely model called MBIT, which is multiple brain technique. And that's about listening to the body's wisdom as well, but it's very quick. And that's based on Buddhist psychotherapy, parts of it. So it was all kind of coming together really nicely. And then I learned about focusing, which again, is about listening to the body's wisdom and then learning presence. So I had to use them all together, sometimes at the same time, sometimes separately, whatever is required, you know, from my client. And it's always starting off with breath work and it's always coming back to breath work and creating space for them. You know, and sometimes they don't even have to speak. It's just the body is regurgitates all of this wisdom. And some people love talking because they're very head-based people mm-hmm. and very creative people and they need to speak a lot, which is fine too because I can calibrate people and find out where they are in their physiology and can really listen to their language and see how their body and face and color and eyes are changing to see what's happening within their body so I can take them there gently and safely to either reveal that clarity for them or to release that trauma for them to get their goal. So they all work really nicely together in a similar way. It's really nice.
1: Wow. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Yes. It sounds like you're basing your techniques on the client, which is lovely. I think that's so important. And breath work yeah. is so important. Why is breath work so essential for healing
0: it gets us into a coherent state and a meta state so it means that you're connected to the body's experience so most of the time even when we're relaxed we're not we're in fight and flight mode and when we're in fight and flight mode we are absolutely cut off (laughs) from our feelings and we're out of alignment with what we're feeling thinking and need to do And so, breath work gets us into rest mode and gets us into a state of coherence where we are in alignment with the head, heart, and gut, or in other words, our feelings, and so that we can access them and understand them more clearly. So, it's the messages coming up to the brain from the body rather than us looking in for the answers from the head down. So,
1: breath work Mm.
0: develops that and helps you access that body was
1: interesting i hadn't heard it put that way before where we're accessing down when we yeah can't, yeah we're, yeah we're not
0: accessing down we're going down up
1: okay yes
0: yeah <laughs> <what I> meant. <laughs> thank you because so often we're looking up and thinking aren't we and we're thinking about what the question was and how we feel about it and it's we'd always get the right answer So we go the other way. So we get in the body and we get feeling rather than thinking about that feeling. We just feel it and allow it. And the wisdom automatically comes up and we get the answers from that to our head.
1: Would you say that that is how maybe meditation begins to work is through the breathing, through the connecting that way?
0: Yeah, I do. I think breath work is key, though. I think there's lots of meditations where we just relax, don't win. It's not always about breath work. And I do wonder and I ask, how can you be really relaxed and connected? And then we're fighting so many thoughts. You know, I've tried meditation lots before. I realized the importance of breath. And now I won't do meditation. I do breath work. Mm. Absolutely, all the time. And that's what I promote as well, because I find it's more powerful than just meditation alone, but meditation with powerful breath work. Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. It's interesting to me for many reasons. One, personally, I always struggled with my breathing. Ah. Like when we even speak about breath, my breath starts to irregulate. Yeah. like I'm <laughs> irregulating right now because <laughs> yeah. we're talking about it. It's like over Yeah. The concept of breathing. I've always done that. And my mom does it too. It becomes a source of anxiety (laughs) or a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. It
0: is because our breath gets shallower, Mm -hmm. which makes us feel anxious. And those feelings make us have anxious thoughts, which make the breathing even shallower. So it becomes a vicious circle. So I say every time that happens, take a deep breath in for two seconds and breathe out for 10. Mm. and just imagine something sliding down a calm scale in your gut or something
1: i'm going to do that now yeah and then just keep doing it and you're going to hear my breath in the mic sorry everyone (laughs) 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 (sighs) and then center yourself in your tummy or in your gut because that's very centering starting to get lightheaded from again overthinking the breathing
0: yeah because
1: I've always done it since I was small
0: that's so interesting.
1: <laughs> you can
0: rewire that and breathe your way out of that Breathing takes a lot of training, a lot of exercise because our lungs aren't used to what I call coherent breathing mm. you know it's a muscle that needs to be trained, and if we're so used to shallow breathing, it's restriction you know, and that needs to be expanded and stretched and you know, Got pattern breaking with
1: that as well. Yeah, that's one of my patterns. <laughs> <laughs> and it used to be one of mine too. Really, <laughs> yeah. I'm also a people pleaser. In the process of breaking that, it's Not much, 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 much better than it was in the past. But weird. yeah, you know, those are things. And I bring it up because I know that there are those that are listening that have similar issues. And I do a meditation on Mondays in my group, and one of my attendees messaged me later, maybe the next day and asked how important is it to connect to the body during meditation? Cause I really struggle with that. And that was an interesting question to me. Sorry, I'm spending a little more time on it because it occurred to me that a lot of us struggle with this connection with our mind and body to the point where we don't want to do it because mm-hmm. it's so uncomfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> for some yeah. of us especially those of us working on identity. Yes. And I know this person has that going on as well. And that connection feels very uh, compartmentalized mm. for her. And I'm so proud of her for asking the question and yeah, noticing that.
0: that's a huge question.
1: Mm. Yeah. And it was through a text. I was like, was something we would need to discuss <laughs> yeah. so that we can have – a dialogue with yourself about why you think this is you know happening for you but yeah what would you say to that
0: i would say so often the fear of facing that feeling is far greater than the actual feeling mm-hmm. and that perhaps it's something that happened a long time ago that was so unbearable that we fear whatever happened then will happen again. That's what our bodies are telling us. Oh. So I would say, and this sounds brutal, but in order to go get rid of it, we need to go through it. And that can happen so quickly by surrendering. You know, we're talking about that surrender in a safe environment with you. You know, maybe if it's the two of you. And just allow her to slowly sink into that feeling and there will be tears there will be or sobbing even and that might go on for a long time but that's your body it's all held in that dna Mm -hmm. is for the first time you know releasing it you're not going to stay there that's just going through it you know and that will pass it's kind of like shaking up a coke bottle you know and twisting lid off and letting all that pent-up stuff come out because it's not good for our bodies either, is it? No. No. Yeah. So the more she can let the Coke bottle, you know, release the cap, the more it will go and it will eventually go,
1: go. And then she'll be more comfortable in her body. That's a wonderful imagery. That's a really good example. <laughs> everyone, yeah. Isn't it? We will understand. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you said about safe spaces is, is so important. Mm -hmm. Because so much of the world doesn't feel like a safe space for so many people and for everyone in general, but for so many people specifically. And I think that has a lot to do with some of these disconnections that a lot of us feel with ourselves is there's no real safe space that we have permission to open the bottle and let it fizzle, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And trying to show up in perfection.
0: Yeah, Gosh, there's so much to say about that. Yeah, if if we've been somebody who's been outside our bodies most our lives and used to functioning in a fight-and-flight mode, our body is an unsafe place to be in, so we feel. And, you know, there's so much pressure, yeah, to perform, isn't there? So much pressure to be okay. Um, Especially with lockdown and everything that happened, there was even more disconnection, wasn't there? I don't know, for some people, people completely by themselves. And that kind of was insult to injury mm-hmm. with this, you know, feelings in our body being left alone with them, not understanding or not wanting to. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've forgotten your question though. But I just think, and it's everything I stand for and stand by, is the only way out is in. And the only safe place is within you, underneath that frightening interference. And that is deep inside you. That is guttural, that's deep, deep wisdom. And I think it's important for everybody, you know, just to be, just to be happy, just to have that place of peace and have that place of comfort and confidence and love and truth and authenticity. You know, it's a good exercise to try. And if you're not safe on your own, be with someone who you are so safe with, you know, who can allow you
1: that. Thank you for that. I think permission comes up a lot when I have these conversations, and mm. truly that granting can only come from ourselves, which is coming back to your story, seems to be what you'd found in those moments. Mm. Yeah. Each breath was granting yourself permission to breathe again. Yeah. And to go through the pain and to surrender again and to take another breath. And to inch your way back into existence.
0: Mm. I didn't even say, but in that moment, life was coming up as well, you see, and all the things that led me to be there, I was healing at the same time. You it's know? like a
1: quantum leap that you didn't care,
0: <laughs> truly. Yeah. yeah, in a short space of time, but we can do it so quickly
1: for ourselves. Yeah. If we know how. So tell me a little more about that. How do we start to give ourselves that permission and then what are some techniques that maybe someone can do for themselves to get there quicker like you're saying there's quicker ways to access yeah
0: i don't advise doing it if you're really terrified and have severe anxiety you know be with someone when that happens or get yeah. someone to come over but sometimes and this is a lovely time to jump on it you know i don't know if you ever know when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel great or you've got some dis-ease or discomfort in your body, and you're not great, but you're not that bad either. If we were to spend time just feeling that feeling, often stuff will come up, and just know there is nowhere and no one more safe than you, and underneath that interference, have that dialogue, underneath that interference is your structure, your home, I say always coming home to you, your safety, your control and your confidence and your grace and your peace. And that's where life is and that's where, you know, you'll find your fulfillment. So knowing that that's underneath that interference, that if you go through it, you're going to be safe, will allow you the permission more easily and will make you feel more safe to be sitting in your body more. And um, Just notice your breath. Always do belly breathing and always breathe into the feeling and just allow yourself the time to figure it out. But don't think about it. Just allow the body to give you what it needs to give you. And I can think of an example that happened. There was lots of pain after my surgery, but no one could find the reason for pain. And I often used to wake up in the morning and have this agonizing pain you know and I just lay there in the morning and did this exercise practice what I preach I thought I told myself (laughs) so I did and it was for a long time I think I was there for two and a half hours if not three hours but just tears and more tears and more tears and more tears and the pain intensified initially Mm. but just more and more tears and wisdom about that time that I tried to forget and get on with and suppress still, even after what I've been through and what I've been trained and doing, you know, there was still some residue. And so I just did that and cried and cried and cried for hours and the pain went. Mm. But so did all that interference I was so used to walking around in life with just dissipated and disappeared.
1: Mm. You know, you say knowing. interference, sorry to interrupt, can you mm-hmm. talk more about what you mean by interference? Because I think it can yeah. be so many things.
0: Yeah, so always use the term coming home to yourself. And that coming home is to your safe place, that safe place within you that is all of those things I mentioned. The confidence, the safety, the structure, the control, the peace, the grace, the, all these wonderful, beautiful things and real love and truth. But life gets in the way, so we experience traumas, don't we? Things that happen inside as a result of an event, or we experience stress, you know, on a smaller level. But it's I class it all as interference mm. because we, through those experiences, we develop patterns that help us <laughs> it's like get in the way of our home, you know, coming home to ourselves to all those wonderful feelings and that safety. So we just build and build and all these patterns and behaviors that get in the way
1: and because they get in the way, I call them interference. Mm. We layers. Yeah. The, yeah. The layers that are in between ourselves and yeah. And what we want to experience. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And how we want to experience ourselves as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for defining that. That helps me understand. And, and I'm picturing like frequency, like yes, I was as well, actually. <laughs> oh well, that makes sense then. I'm probably tapping into how you're seeing it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. How fun! Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I work in the coaching space too, and yeah, I notice a lot of the block starts at believing that you have that confidence somewhere inside you. And I've went through that too. I went through a big shift myself at one point where I went from just terrible self-talk, really negative, Mm. not believing in myself and not really understanding a lot of what we're sharing today Mm. or even knowing that any of this is possible. Mm. So I think the first step is awareness that there's people around like yourself who have stories to share. It's why I love sharing here with people like yourself to help awaken that's really the first step is to understand that there's another way yeah but once you know there's another way to live how do you believe that you have this confidence somewhere inside you if you've never really experienced it or maybe you have but you've forgotten we all have amnesia at times (laughs) when it comes to ourselves ultimately from the way that you work how do you help people tap into that knowing in the very beginning stages
0: Yeah, so I think it even begins before what you're asking. So I think people intuitively led to something they know without knowing. Ah, yes. (laughs) They know what's going to help them and what's good for them. All of my clients have been through that. Mm. So they've been intuitively led. They haven't understood it at all, (laughs) but they felt intuitively led. And I help them tap into their own intuition and their self-trust. By what we were talking about, you know, bringing ourselves into a state of coherence and asking and getting deep, you know, properly inside your body, not out here, you know, comfortable in your body and safe in your body. And as you're doing that, the interference comes up and the wisdom of that interference comes up. And because your body is releasing that, it comes up with clarity and understanding is healing, And so I help them kind of decode that and give them help in trying to understand that so that we can rewire what happened really and build new healthy patterns. But also the more the interference is going, the more they're becoming connected to themselves and aligned. And when you are, you are so finely tuned to your intuition. It's unwavering. It's unquestionable. And then I help them use exercises to trust their intuition. You know, so many people don't know, oh my God, what should I do? Should I do homeschooling for my kids? I don't know what the right thing is. Or do I do, make this decision and do I go and move here? I just don't know what's right. And then comes all this anxiety. So I get them into a place, you know, with breath work and helping them understand that interference and ask them to ask that question again. And then instantly they'd have the answer. Yeah. You know, that gut intuition just there is nothing more trustworthy, nothing more trustworthy.
1: hundred percent agree. Mm. And this is how I make decisions now. And it's surprising sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so interesting to me where I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. I really <laughs> thought I was supposed to do that. I really, really did. Like I was so gung ho yesterday on doing this project, let's say. Yeah, or program specifically a program that I asked myself about maybe I don't know six months ago, and I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> <But> no, <laughs> and then I had to email someone, be like, sorry, <laughs> like I just can't do it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like, why? Well, my higher self told me not to. the <laughs> intuition, not me. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm listening. Yeah, it's like my old self would have made fun of me in saying that I would have called myself naive. I would have said, well, you know, like someone who doesn't intellectualize enough or, which is so interesting. I'm just kind of taking a trip back in my psyche and going, yeah. And I was so afraid of being classified that way that I stayed away from it. That was one of my blocks at the time that I wouldn't allow myself to even go there In a lot of cases. uh, Do you
0: mean being an empath?
1: I think I wanted to not sound dumb to say it the simplest way, like sound like somebody who believed in things that weren't tangible or just intellectualizing the world was valued in my home Mm -hmm. and the opposite wasn't. (laughs) That's kind of the best way to distill it. Well, that's a hard start, isn't it? It's changed my relationships with people in my family, which is interesting. Yeah. And we struggle a little with, particularly one person in my family, we struggle a little with how to communicate because I don't worship this intellect anymore. Mm -hmm. And this person still does. (laughs) So (laughs) sometimes it's a little hard to find room for speaking to each other in a way that doesn't include that need of validation because that's kind of what it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. but. It's funny how I hadn't thought about that in a long time. That's amazing. And just sharing that with you reminded me that like, oh yeah, there was a time where if I couldn't explain it, I would try to do it anyway. I would try to stay in the lane yeah. of the thing that made the most sense if yeah. I explained it to someone else, you know? I completely yeah. get that.
0: Yeah. But in order to not be different... Yeah, accept it. Maybe I don't know. A lot of your story resonates with me as well. In my past life, in this life, (laughs) right? (laughs) The one you lived before,
1: yes. The other life, yeah. Yeah, not this new one. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Does it feel like you've been reborn? It sort of seems that way in the way that you're sharing and how you're experiencing it.
0: Yes, and it was probably hard for people to accept on the mm. other side as well because, yeah, I was, I believe, I was very different, you know, relationships ended and circles of friends ended, you know, because I was different and, and maybe they weren't ready for me and I wasn't in a place for them anymore. Mm. Yeah, I'd say a marked difference,
1: yeah, and I wouldn't want it to be any other way. I'm sure the community you have around you now is much more aligned with yes your truth and serve you in those ways
0: yeah and we choose now to only be with people who you know are in alignment with you and that's what we should all do anyway should you can't want to should but that would be beneficial (laughs) to all of us wouldn't it
1: I'm the same way every time I say should. I try to remove it from my vocabulary as much as it's possible. It's a horrible thing, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It should it instantly makes you recoil a little bit
1: and yeah. and not want it, doesn't it? Yes, totally. It's so, like, well, why shouldn't I? Like it's your, <laughs> yeah, our brains want to combat it or question it or
0: yeah.
1: come up with another but it's answer. heavy as
0: well isn't it so like i should mm-hmm. have that but it's not my choice that's heavy i don't want that
1: or it also brings up i'm doing it wrong yeah like, oh if i should be doing that that i must be doing it wrong
0: yes it's almost having your you know the finger point of the little girl and you should be
1: doing this. yeah <laughs> no it's like why <laughs> <laughs> not doing that that's Funny. Yes. So no shitting all over ourselves today. But yeah. um, <laughs> but it will help guide you if you allow space to bring in those that are more aligned for sure. And it takes yeah. time. I'm kind of in a, a turning over moment in my life again. Yeah. I go through these layers that get removed in cycles and you can't just like get rid of everyone. It's it's a little bit of a process. <laughs> It is. Nor do you necessarily want to in that way where it's just overnight, it's it's not kind and compassionate. So it's like an interesting process mm. too.
0: It is an interesting but and as you're saying that I'm thinking of a lovely friend in particular, and I, I love her. <laughs> and doing my transformations and changes, you know, she is an anxious person and quite likes to have a lot of I don't want to say attention, that's not the right or kind thing to say she loves having a lot of communication sometimes when you're going through these periods and these times you need to be quiet put roots down and just get through it yeah. you know and during that time she always said is now are you putting roots down you, is this a good time or should i not bother with a laughing <laughs> and we've sometimes gone through months and months or a year of that happening and that is a real true good friend so I absolutely love mm. her for that, and we're as thick as thieves now. You
1: know, she's honoring your boundaries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a new friend like that too, where I to share my boundaries, and she'll check in and we That's like, so lovely. a good time. Do I go? What's Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's lovely when those are communicated and respected and honored, and it really makes a difference. It's a breath of fresh air, that's people really having you and caring for you and loving you in the way
0: you need, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. a kind way. It's a mutual way, right? I like think to find ways to honor each other's needs and Yes,
0: it is. Yeah. support it. Yeah. that i overlooked a lot
1: in life, I think. Yeah. And I find that that's true in every relationship and business. Yeah. I mean, business is such an interesting space to learn about yourself. Because it's a reflection of yourself. Yes. And it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, which is, can feel quite exposed.
1: Yeah, you learn fast in that environment as well, I think, when you are leading something like that or creating something like that. That's why art, I think, is so useful in, in the healing space too. It's similar.
0: I like that. Yeah. You're making me think of something I listened to the other day, but that's a story for another day.
1: I'd love to know we shared a lot on all kinds of lovely things but if there was one thing that you really want to make sure the listener understands from what we talked about today what would that be
0: to remember that whatever happens in your life you are everything that you need and all the answers are within you if you gave yourself the time and chance to hear them and to understand that there is no one more safe and sound than you and it'll be okay if you can tap into yourself and tap into that space and just allow things to come up. You're coming home and you're coming home to that safe place and you'll be in command, you'll be in control, you'll have clarity and you'll know exactly what to do. And trust in that place that's underneath that interference that all that goodness is That's kind of an sos first aid bit of advice in moments of chaos i suppose
1: mm. thank you for that That's okay <laughs> so beautiful i know that's going to resonate mm-hmm. do you want to share with us anything you're working on now and how we can connect with you
0: yeah. So I just developed a program. I don't want to call it a program, but a process. And that is called Self Mastery. Or Self Mastery Edit, I called it. And that is all about mastering what we've just said and what we've just spoken about. Mm. So, so many people walk through life with a thing. And you spoke about blocks, you know, a thing that is just in the way of exactly where we want to go or what we want, whether that's in relationships or in business or having a creative project that you want to get underway or just in who we are and how we're relating with ourselves and how we are with ourselves. And so it helps you to master the skills to be able to understand yourself and to access that place and remove all blocks. It sounds quite aggressive when you read it on my website. (laughs) But it just needs it can be really quick if you want it to be. And it's really safe. And it's a beautiful safe way of learning who you are, what makes you tick, how to master your life on your terms and your feelings and your emotions and your relationships, your creativity, minus all the blocks that get in the way of that and helping you to create an identity. Of your purpose that you perhaps want to monetize, or you know, have some clarity on that so you can just do away with the stuff that makes you procrastinate, makes you stay stuck, keeps you unhealthy or unhappy, and so you can get on with life. It's lovely, and it's just a short six hour, six week process, and most of it happens in the first session, and the rest mm-hmm. is about supporting the ongoing progress. It's lovely. And it's at the heart of everything I do, which is all about relationship and our autonomic nervous system and coaching those.
1: That's amazing. It sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. Is it located on your website? Like how does someone join?
0: Yeah, so it's under coaching on my website. It's called the Self Mastery Edit. And they can either go through that and uh, and I'll set up a new link it's brand new so I haven't set up the link yet and by the time you hear this it'll be set up or you can DM me on Instagram and say self-mastery and I'll send you everything you need and we can have a discovery call because everybody gets a free 30 to 45 minute call to rediscover their needs and how I can help you and if we're a good fit and even a lot happens in those as well and they're free those bits
1: It's wonderful (laughs) Thank you so much, Jess. This has been such a lovely, heartfelt conversation. And I just appreciate your presence and your honesty and authenticity here.
0: And I appreciate you having me here in order to do that. It's been lovely.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Bersi. Thank you for listening to People Begin. We hope that these episodes inspire and empower you to take your next steps in your own intuitive journey towards a life or business that feels clear, authentic, and aligned. And if you're ready for more tools and guidance like courses and free events, then I'd love to invite you to my new intuitive creators Academy and collective. It's free to join. Just follow the link in the show notes and remember to DM me once you get there to receive a special gift for being a listener of people begin. I'll look forward to seeing you there.